It's official. Real Ghost Stories Online and the Grave Talks will be live at the Crescent Hotel for one night only, August 11th, 2019 at 7 p.m. And you are invited. I'm Tony Bruski from Real Ghost Stories Online, and I can't wait to meet you at the Crescent Hotel this August 11th for an awesome night of ghost stories. We're going to have a lot of fun at the Crescent Hotel that night as we record an episode of Real Ghost Stories Online live. The stories on this episode come from you guys, the audience, live at the Crescent. Then it's a live episode of The Grave Talks as we talk with Crescent historian and paranormal investigator Keith Scales. We'll learn all about the history of the hotel, how it came to be, why it's haunted today, what goes on at the Haunted Crescent Hotel, and allow you guys to ask your questions as well with a live Q&A segment. It's a fun night full of ghost stories at the historic Haunted Crescent Hotel, a hotel that we've had many stories from shared about over the years here on the show. Tickets are only $25 a piece and are on sale now. Go to realghoststoriesonline.com and click on the Live at the Crescent Hotel banner to purchase yours. They are very limited, though, and when they are gone, they are gone. Real Ghost Stories Online and the Grave Talks live at the Crescent Hotel in Eureka Springs, Arkansas, August 11th, 2019. Get your tickets now at realghoststoriesonline.com. The following is an encore presentation of Real Ghost Stories Online. In other words, a vintage episode from several years back. We needed to take a quick little break and uh, catch our breath. We'll be back again next week with brand new episodes of the show. EPPs, you get a brand new EPP this week, as always. We never take a break from those. So if you're craving brand new material, become an EPP, extra podcast person at ghostpodcast.com. Or patreon.com slash real ghost stories. Hope you enjoy this vintage episode of Real Ghost Stories Online. Welcome to Real Ghost Stories Online. Call in your real ghost story now at 855-853-4802. Or write in at realghoststoriesonline.com. You're about to enter the world of the unknown and quite possibly the undead. This is Real Ghost Stories Online. Today, could the ghost of a girl that used to live on the side of a new Georgia home be the one haunting it? A ghost in a historic family home haunts a young girl and her friend, but is it the same ghost that's haunting the friend's house, too? Our friend Danielle, the graphic designer, tells of an unlikely co-worker. And a teenage girl wakes in the middle of the night to find someone or something at the end of her bed. But was it really her sister? Those stories, your calls, and more today on Real Ghost Stories Online. Tony and Jenny Bruski joining you once again. Hello. Uh, Guten Tag. How are you today? Good. I just had one of the last remaining Halloween cupcakes. And how was that Halloween cupcake? I savored every bite of it. Will it be haunting you in your dreams? No, it won't. <laughs> Will it be haunting you for days to come? No. Will, no? Okay. No. I My system gets along very well with sugar. Because the jerky that I've been making has been haunting me for, for weeks. That stuff is demonic. It's really... It, <laughs> it creates EVPs in my butt. That's nice. 
<laughs> Actually, there's no, elect- there's no electronics involved there. But uh, yeah, uh, I've, I've been laying off it. And um, and I thank you for that. Yeah. And well, we're almost out of it, too. So um, should they make another batch anytime soon? No. Or? Really? Not unless you're giving it away for Christmas. <sighs> and then it is truly the gift that keeps on giving. Is there anything I could change in the recipe, I wonder, to not have that effect? I have no idea. I mean, the idea. recipe's not that complex. It's just like... I guess give it with a jar garlic of... Garlic powder. And- vial of Beano. <laughs> what if you put Beano into the jerky? Like, I don't use it as an ingredient in the jerky. <laughs> I'm going to try that next time. Okay. Because what I've never used... Is Beano like a... Is it a powder? Is it a liquid? What is it? I don't know. I've just seen the ads for it. I think it's... Is it a gel cap? I, I think it's like a liquid that you... Just a couple of drops... Like Tussin? On, in water or something. Probably. Okay. So I'll use it as an ingredient in there and see if that helps. There you go. That's nice. The first minute of our show, we're discussing the gastric effects of the jerky that Tony Bruschi makes. <laughs> How are you? Uh, 855-853-4802. That's the phone number to call into our show here at Real Ghost Stories Online. We'd uh, absolutely love to hear your real ghost story. Uh, of course, you can always write into the website at realghoststoriesonline.com. So there's lots of ways for you to share your real ghost stories with us. If you want to discuss something that you've heard in the show, do some of the message board up on the website at realghoststoriesonline.com. And remember to subscribe if you're a new listener to the show. Press that subscribe button, and uh, you'll be insured to get all future episodes of the show sent directly to you. Let's kick off the show with a letter today. writes in, uh, I recently had an occurrence in my home, which I've never had before. Let me give you a little story on my home and the surrounding area. I built my home on an empty lot next to my mother-in-law's home in 2006. Yeah, I know, crazy. It's literally like an episode of Everyone Loves Raymond. My home is built on uh, what was farmland. The old farmhouse is still here, literally next door. But before the farm, local Native Americans had tribes in the area where my home was built. I have three very old cemeteries less than a quarter mile from my house. So three months ago, my wife and I welcomed our third little girl into the world. I was downstairs sleeping on the couch. The baby was crying, and I uh, had to be up for work at 4 a.m. Just to give you a quick layout downstairs... I was in the living room on the couch next to the dining room, which was on my left when laying on the couch. It's a large window that faces the backyard from the dining room. When lying on the couch, you can look to your left and see outside of the backyard. In Savannah, we have these thunderstorms during the summer. One of these storms came through. It only lasted a few minutes. I was sleeping when a loud crash of thunder shook the house. When I sat up from the couch, I haphazardly glazed toward the window and saw the rain coming down. Then I saw a Native American girl standing completely still, looking towards the moon. I sat up and ran towards the dining room window, which took all of two seconds to do. As I was towards the window, she kneeled down and ran her hand across the grass, then disappeared. The rain seemed to go around her, and her clothes did not look like anything I've ever seen. I have a large vegetable garden in the backyard, and ever since that night, it seems as if the area where I saw the Native American girl, nothing grows. My family and I briefly stayed with my mother-in-law in her home for a couple of months. Things just never seemed to feel right over there. I'll just say being there took a toll on our entire family. We thought it was just the stress of having a home built, but 
We lived in a rental home for months before taking her up on her offer to stay with her the final two months. As soon as we left her home, everything subsided and went back to normal. I decided to build a new house because of Savannah's history. And although technically nothing has happened in my home, things have happened around it. Thanks for reading my story, Tony and Jenny. What do you think would cause for vegetation to not grow in the spot where he saw the ghost? Do you think- That's an interesting... Uh, I don't know. Um, because I would... I was When I was reading that line, I was wondering what the outcome was going to be if he was going to say nothing was growing or it was like crazy miracle grow infected plants uh-huh. you know where it just went crazy there um because my thought process would almost be that it would promote growth <laughs> yeah i mean is it an old wives tale that you know lightning helps grass grow i don't know is that true is that not true because i mean it's something my parents always said Okay. And observationally, of course, when you have a thunderstorm, you get a lot of rain. Okay. But maybe it's just in my head from hearing that. But I would say that when we have a rainstorm, the grass grows pretty good. When we have a thunderstorm with lightning, and of course, you would probably likely have more rain coming down with it too. Um, With the lightning and such, it seems to grow that much faster. I don't know. I, I always heard that the electricity in the air and stuff actually helped the growth of grass. Now, this could be completely just, you know, blah, blah, <laughs> you know, nothing. Okay. But I'd never heard that. I don't know if it's true or not. My parents say a lot of things. My mom listens to the show and she knows she says a lot of things. You say a lot of things, mom, <laughs> um, that I have to go look up later in life. But I've, you know, so. Well, isn't there like ozone released? Yeah, I think that's part of what it is. Okay. So I don't know. Um, I don't know. See, that, and that's where I th- I'm thinking, you know, in the term of ghost, I'm thinking almost same sort of energy field mm-hmm. that that would get you some pretty killer tomatoes. Not to make a reference to the killer tomato action figures and cartoons of the 80s. Okay. I don't know. I, what would kill it? I have no idea. Unless it like fries everything because it's so strong. There's any other stories like that of ghosts that appear regularly in the outdoors and vegetation dying around it. Yeah. Like not just a vegetable garden, grass, trees, shrubbery. I don't know. Whatever you may have out in your, wherever you're saying ghosts. You know, if anyone has anything to follow up on that, that would be very interesting. 855-853-4802. That's the phone number to call into Real Ghost Stories Online. Hi, let's go to a call. Hi, guys. My name is Tracy, and I have a story for you. Um, I just started listening a couple days ago, and I just fell in love with it. It's awesome um, because there's not a lot of places where people who have experiences or um, certain gifts or talents or anything like that to really express and, you know, release some of this pent-up paranormal um, occurrences. Well, this happened a couple years ago. Um, My husband and I, we were engaged at the time, and um, we're both Christians, and so uh, our pastor wouldn't marry us uh, unless we 
stopped living together because at the time we were living together out of wedlock and um, or if we would adhere to a couple of his rules which were to no longer share um, a bed together and um, no longer have any intimate moments until we got married. My husband and I, we didn't think too bad about that. We thought that we got lucky, you know, on having a second alternative. And so we did. It was about 46 months before we got married. And when we started, it was fine. Um, We would rotate who gets the bedroom, who gets the couch. And every week or every two weeks, we would rotate out. And so this was about four to six months, I want to say, before we got married. And we, um, it, the first probably couple of weeks was fine, but come third, you know, third week, fourth week, weird things were happening. Like I was getting weird thoughts in my head that he was cheating on me. He was getting weird thoughts in his head that I wasn't going to show up. And it just kept escalating, you know, from that point on. One night, it was probably a week before the wedding, one night I was sleeping out in the front room because it was my turn, my husband was in the bedroom, and I heard a couple taps, um, at the time the front room had two, um, like a a large closet that had two sliding wood doors, and so I was sleeping, I heard a couple taps, didn't think much of it because we were on the ground level, and I am, I should mention I am sensitive, um, so I can feel and hear a lot of things that are not there. Um, so anyways, um, I was laying there and I felt something that like, was thrown at me. And at the time my kids were not there, it was a weekend, so they were with their dad. And I looked around and I didn't see anything. And next thing I hear is a couple things dropping. And I was like, okay, whatever's here needs to be welcome. Um, and then the next thing I know, there was a big crash in the closet. And so I jumped up out of bed, went and got my husband because he can do banishings um, and prayer to remove any kind of um, evil spirits or, you know, bless the house or bless the people. Um, and so since I can feel him and see him, he can do any kind of banishing for um, any, any evil entities or anything like that. And when I ran to go get my husband, I was tripped in the hallway by God knows what, because nothing was there. Um, no no cables, no children, no toys, no nothing. It felt like somebody grabbed my ankle and pulled my foot out from underneath me. I woke up my husband right away, and he was going around the house, and we both walked to the kitchen and turned on the light. And no lie, I swear you would think a... Um, like the shadow was trying to hide where there is light. And in the Bible, it says, you know, all the dark, any darkness will come to light. And it, it was astounding that this thing was trying to hide when he flipped on the light. And it was like a big mass of black. Well, he, my husband opened up the door because we blessed all the orifices of um, our apartment. And in order to let them out, we had to open up the door and tell them to leave. As we were doing that, I was holding on to my husband. Next thing I know, my shirt was pulled, and it was trying to pull me out with him. And so I say him because I knew it was a man, um, or no, it was a man. And it just, he, he wasn't right. His head wasn't right. Nothing was right. So it almost seemed like his evilness um, stayed to linger. And so... I don't, I, we don't believe for a minute that it was a demon. We believe that it was just 
I guess you can call it a prankster, someone not not a poltergeist, some someone that um, has done bad in the past and likes and continue likes to do bad. Um, and so he he stood at the door holding my shirt, and it looked like nobody was there, but my shirt was raised off my back, and my husband was holding me, and he was like, "You have got to go," and he um, had olive oil on his hand. Um, because he was going around re-blessing the um, places, the windows and doors, and he um, put a cross on me, and the next thing I knew, I got, um, it was like almost like a tug of war. I got slammed into my husband, who was my fiancé at the time, and the the thing was, the guy was gone. Um, We shut the door, and we prayed, and we both heard that it was going to be okay, and we were just looking at each other like, what is going on? Because throughout the release promise to no longer have any kind of intimacies or sharing the marital bed, it's almost like our faith was being tested, our um, love and our devotion for one another was being tested. So it was a lot of weird things, and I normally go and do readings for people and their families to help them get rid of evil spirits or evil um, any evil ghosts or anything like that that wants to stay around and cause havoc. And so for it to happen to me is just insane. I've never had that. Um, but my husband and I, we've been married for a couple of years now, very happy. And, you know, now we just educate people on uh, spirits and, you know, evildoers and things like that. It sounds comical, but, you know, there's a lot of badness out there that, you know, we should be aware of. And since there's not a whole lot of people wanting to talk about it, you guys give us that outlet. And I really do appreciate it because, believe it or not, it is a stress reliever, you know, to talk to somebody or let it be known because if you harbor it, it just becomes, you know, hard on your heart and your soul. And I think it projects that. And, so you guys offer that outlet, and I want to thank you. I'm a, a student to be a marriage and family counselor, and so now you guys are the paranormal um, counselor. So thank you. Keep up the great work, and God bless. Thanks. We are paranormal counselors. That's so now. nice. Thank you. I'm going to get a, a, uh, a sign for the door. Okay. <laughs> just, just when we have dinner parties, people you know, can like paranormal counselors. What? What? <laughs> you know. But she's she's got a point. I mean, it, you know, by no means are we like real, you know, counselors by any stretch of the imagination, as far as like being licensed or anything of that nature. But well, not yet. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's true. No, yeah, no. <laughs> you're going to be a lot sooner than I am. Uh, I'll just be the person that just kind of moderates and just like, ah, I don't know. It could be that. It could be the jerky, you know. <laughs> but, um, uh, you know, it, it is an outlet where, I, you know, I, I agree, I think a lot of folks do, you know, find some solace in it. So we appreciate those uh, those kind words and uh, thank you for listening to the show. The phone number is 855-853-4802 to call into Real Ghost Stories Online. Megan writes, when I was about 14, we were stupid kids with a Ouija board. That's always the beginning of a good story right there. We were stupid kids with a Ouija board. (laughs) We only used it in my house, and it worked best in the kitchen, although I did use it once on the front sidewalk and talked to a little boy who was murdered in the 1940s. That night, I dreamed I heard someone knocking on the front door at night while I was sleeping. When I was downstairs, I saw a boy dressed in dated clothes, crying and bleeding from his head. 
Kneeling by the door in the front room, the house and I had a bit of a history before all this. When I was a child, I would see ghosts a lot. One time I saw a man standing on the stairs in very dated clothes like he had been working in a field all day. The house was built in 1865 by my Nana's family and stayed in the family right up to my mom buying it. Through the years, we would lose things that would never turn up, random things like a VCR remote and two DVDs. One afternoon, my friend Mike and I decided to screw around with a Ouija board. The thing about me and Mike is that weird things happen when we're together because we're both very sensitive to the paranormal. We sat on the kitchen table asking the board questions. Mike was more forward than I going as far as asking where I was. Then the planchette pointed at me. This was the first of three times I bolted out the door. The second time, after we both were seeing black flashes in the living room, we heard a rip and a scream in the house. The final time we stopped, we tried to get my dog to go in the house, and she refused. Mike convinced me to go look for the ghost. We got upstairs to the hall closet, a narrow room with a window not open in 30 years, and a door that didn't move properly. It squeaked and needed a good push to open. Stood on the stairs adjacent to the doors. Mike pushed it open. Felt cold air come out of it again. I ran outside. For the next month, Mike and I had strange occurrences and dreams. He started dreaming of a red-haired girl always in his house. Also, family built and owned. Later, he saw a photo of a family album of, a, of this woman sitting in his living room. We were together at his house, also infamous for strange things like the ghost pants that uh, walked by the stairs. I would feel like I was suffocating from how many people I felt were there. Even when it was just us, there was much more that happened in his house over the years, but his house is a complete other story. In my house, I only felt safe in my room. I kept rosaries and religious sorts of symbols in my home just in case. If I were in the computer room down the hall, I would often look towards the hall closet, feeling like I wasn't alone again. Through the weeks, I had sleepovers, and the girls would urge me to use the Ouija board when with them because they liked because uh, with them because it liked me best. I finally agreed. This time, we decided we were going to prove or disprove that something was moving it. As the planchette moved, we counted to three and all removed our fingers. The image will never leave me in the will never leave me of the planchette continuing to move a half inch by itself. I was done until about a week later, the morning after a sleepover. Two girls were complete non-believers, so everyone, including Mike, convinced me to pull out the board for one final session. It was a large group sitting at a kitchen table. The two non-believers sat off to the side. Mike started asking questions. The atmosphere had a weird tension as it was revealed. We were talking to the spirit Mike and I communicated with before, and my great-grandfather who used to live in the house. My grandfather said he was here to protect me. Mike asked if he would protect him too, but he said no. We tried to ask more questions, and the board stopped. At this point, we gave up. Mike needed to go to the bathroom, and in my house, the unwritten rule at night was no one went to the bathroom alone. Like I said, weird things tend to happen, so Tiffany went with him. As they got up to the stairs, Tiffany screamed and ran back downstairs. Mike wasn't far behind. They reported that the whole closet door was wide open. 
The next week, Mike and I continued to have strange feelings and dreams. He dreamed of that Ouija session and a tall man in a black suit floating down the hallway with the toes of his shoes dragging down the stairs, thumping as it hit each stair. Days later, I dreamed I went into the computer room and the man Mike described walked through the outside wall facing the street and he said, You can't know it, but you can believe it, and walked through the other wall to the bathroom. I was then sitting on the floor in my room when he stood at the doorway. He picked up a softball, held it in his hand until it began smoking. When I looked up again, my room was across from the bathroom. He was pulling himself into the bathroom mirror. I left the house, called my mom, and refused to go back until she got there. This is the last time either of us ever saw these spirits. We tried to burn the board, but even doused it in lighter fluid and couldn't get it to light. Eventually, we buried it in the burn barrel. I haven't touched a board since and have no desire to have one, even artwork in my home. So do you think it was the same thing with the kids? I don't think the the ghost was necessarily attached to one of the houses. I don't think it was, you know, like stationary, like, ooh, this is my home, I'm going to haunt it. I think it had something to do with whatever they brought in through the Ouija board. Okay. So yeah, I think it was haunting both houses. I think it would have been haunting... um, you know, the gap at the mall if they had gone into the gap, too. I think it was haunting them. <laughs> okay. So, does anyone shop at the gap anymore? Is that a... I don't know. It's still a place I, people it frequent. It is. It's still in... Yeah, it's still in business. Okay. I haven't been to the gap for a long time. I haven't either. I think I stopped going to the gap when I was in high school. Got some lovely uh, uh, flannels there. Oh, really? Which I, sh- I think I might still own. I could bring those out. You still literally have clothes from I have, I have ghost clothes. No, that, you have that don't die. That you still wear. Or zombie clothes. Yeah. <laughs> from middle school. I do. But yeah, so there, I think it was a, uh, I think it was something that was brought up by the Ouija board. It was a haunted people incident. And it's a good thing that they didn't get that bird, that board to burn. Yeah, because I, I agree. think that could have uh, that could have caused even more problems right there. Um, although they did bury it in a burn barrel, so I'm assuming at some point or another it probably did get torched. Maybe it's just been best just to burn it, burn it, or to, no, to bury it, bury it, not bury it in a burn barrel. <laughs> I don't know if that necessarily counts as burying it when you put it into a canister that is designed to burn things. Yeah, I don't know. You know, I don't know. Uh, 855-853-4802. That's the number to call into Real Ghost Stories Online to share your real ghost story with us. Let's go to another caller. Hi. Hi. Um, my name is Samantha. Uh, I tried to call in earlier, but my phone died, and I was trying to write the story, and my computer died, which means I have to stop being chicken and uh, just call in and say what I had to say. Um, I wrote in before about the ghost who uh, makes noise as it passes through the hallway and the one who shushes me when I make too much noise. Um, Nothing story-wise, story-worthy has happened. Um, You know, there have been knocks on the door and nobody's there. Uh, There's been a few... The refrigerator opening and closing, um, TV turns on and off by itself, but that's considered normal stuff here, so uh, those aren't really worth stories. 
Um, what I was calling about was the last episode I heard, Jenny was talking about um, how, you know, kids, or Jenny and Tony were talking about how kids uh, sometimes are kind of nonchalant about ghosts or don't really uh, realize that they're ghosts. And I was thinking about that because something similar happened to me when I was a kid or it happened a few times. Um, when I was four years old, we lived in this private house, or we lived on the second floor of a private house, and there was an imaginary friend that I had that lived in my closet, and she was different from my imaginary friends, or my other ones, because I could see her. Um, the other ones I knew they were imaginary, um, they were visible, I pretended they were there, but I could actually see her. And it was a walk-in closet, so I would go and sit on the floor and talk to her. Her name was Maria, and she was very nice. I, I always remember she looked so tall to me because I was this tiny little girl, and I'd sit on the floor and look up at her, and she'd smile down at me and tell me stories. Um, I don't remember her ever telling me that she actually was a ghost or that she had died or anything like that. She would just tell me about um, her cats and when she used to live in the apartment and how she wanted kids. And um, I think she was a teacher because she would tell me about the kids in her class. Um, one time I particularly remember was the day we were moving out because everything in the room was uh, empty. It was nice and clear. I remember I sat down in the closet. I was really sad. And she said that she was sad she wouldn't be able to see me anymore, but that I was going to be okay wherever we were going. At least I was going to be able to uh, have my own room. It was much bigger. So that made me feel a lot better. Um, I remember her pointing up at the ceiling at one point. The door to the closet was open, and she pointed up at the ceiling, and she said, there are two other people over there, but they're invisible, and they don't want you to see them. And that didn't scare me until I got older to realize um, there were other uh, spirits or things in my room that I couldn't actually see. I had no idea they were there. Um, but I did remember, Maria, I remember um, realizing that other people couldn't see her because my mom would walk into the room uh, wanting to know who I was talking to. I'd say, oh, it's, it's Maria. She's standing right here. And my mom wouldn't see her, of course, and she branded her as my imaginary friend. Um, as I got older, I kind of dismissed it, you know, because people say, oh, ghosts aren't real, or uh, she was just your imaginary friend. And later, I was able to talk to my older sister, who shared the room with me. Um, and I told her, do you remember uh, me playing with my imaginary friend 
Maria, and she said, Samantha, that wasn't an imaginary friend. That was a ghost. She was real. I remember seeing her, and it scared me. I'm not entirely sure why it scared my older sister, if it was just the fact that, you know, there was a ghost in the closet, uh, which would scare most people, but it didn't really scare me because I was four, and uh, she was really nice to me. Um, I had another instance after moving out of the house in another house in an attic where I was playing with a little ghost boy, but that's a story for another time. I took up enough time. Um, thanks for having such a great show and letting people call in with their stories, and um, hopefully I'll be able to call again. Thanks again. Bye. I wonder how many people see their imaginary friend as a child and how many people don't you know because I just assumed everybody saw theirs like until an episode on our show a couple yeah, months ago yeah. where it's like no we didn't see and like, ours Samantha saw hers yeah. you know well it's, it's one of those things where as a child and we talked about this the other night a little bit where how accepting children are of paranormal things because it's not paranormal to them everything is normal to them anything that comes their way is normal to them because it's all they know yeah you know in in for the most part so if ghosts are one of those things that start making themselves known and it's it's just normal it's okay you know there's nobody that's corrected them or you know scared them with the idea that these are not living people you know, until that thought of this is not normal comes into their mind, it's normal. Okay. You know? Yeah. So, that's, it's really, it's, it's, it's so interesting how, how kids are so accepting of that at that age. Mm-hmm. You know, and at what age, you know, does it go away? And for some people, does it ever go away? Yeah. I don't know. For me, it seemed like, okay, I, I saw him. My imaginary friend, but uh-huh. you know, I don't see as much anymore. Sure, were when you had your imaginary friend and you talked about it, did you tell your parents that you could see him, or did that did it ever even come into conversation? Was it just kind of like, oh, there's imaginary friend? Uh, I know. don't remember it coming into conversation. I don't remember literally telling them what he looked like. Sure. So they just probably wrote it off as, oh, it's an imaginary friend. Yeah. Yeah. Did your mom ever wonder if if you had any of kind of the, you know, abilities, for a lack of a better term, that, that she has? If she did wonder when I was a kid, she never really told me that she ever wondered. Or suspected or anything with the... Right. I think she suspected, but, you know, she and I have not really had that conversation because as long as I can remember, it was just kind of this thing where... I knew she could do things uh-huh. or see things or feel things. Um, and I don't think I really realized that I could until adulthood. Yeah. So Interesting. I don't know how many people have seen their imaginary friend. That would be an interesting thing to have pop up maybe on the message board or something to, to discuss imaginary friends a little bit and, yeah. and see how many folks out there have actually seen, you know, visibly not in hallucination, but literally seen. It was funny today. Our nanny had oodles of questions about that specific topic. She's like, Tony said that you could see your imaginary friend. What was that like? 
Oh, really? Yeah. So we. Sp- I thought you guys have had the conversation before. No, we oh, spent okay. we spent part of the afternoon discussing that. <laughs> Those are the things we talk about in our household. That's good. Yeah. That's good. And she's coming back tomorrow, right? She tolerates our crazy yeah. so well. <laughs> she's such a good good kid. Eight five five eight five eight zero two. That's the phone number to call into Real Ghost Stories Online to share your real ghost story with us. Danielle writes in. I work as a graphic designer at a small printing company. I had two large 27 Mac monitors on my desk. I never used one of them, so it was always dark and kind of mirror-like. Every day, multiple times a day, I would have a feeling that someone was watching me. And out of the corner of my eye, I would see the reflection of a man standing behind me. When I turn around to see it, if, uh, if one of the guys that I work with were there, there wouldn't be anyone there. One day, the large vinyl plotter that was behind me turned on. I didn't think anything of it because I thought that someone else had turned it on from another computer. But the guy that ran the plotter came over and asked if I had turned it on. When I said no, he said, oh, it must have been the guy. I laughed and asked what he was talking about. He said that when when he comes in early in the morning, he sometimes sees someone walking in our offices, even though he knows he's the only one here. Some of the other guys in the office told me that they have also seen the same thing, and it has always looked like a man, so they named it The Guy. Super original, I know. He told me that one morning, it was still kind of dark when he pulled up to the back door and he saw someone open the door and stick their head out. When he got to the door, it was locked. He thought it was someone else playing a trick on him. But when he got inside, all the lights were turned off, He went around the whole building to see if there was someone there, but all the other lights were turned off and all the doors were locked, so no one was there. Since then, I've moved my own office and I haven't had any other experiences. It's a fairly new office complex, but in the last 10 years, and my company has been the only business in this particular part of the building, so I don't know why there would be a lingering spirit unless it is connected to the property. Pretty creepy, though. I hate having to stay late. You know, I almost wondered if it was possibly a former employee even before they were at that location. I think it was someone that got their hand caught in the printing press and they actually went through it the entire way until they became pancaked. Okay, so then they're like that... (laughs) What is that? Flat... What is that? Are you looking at a type of printing? No. It's like a... A A type of... Falafel? I want to say like Flat Stanley or something like that. What are you referring to? It's like a big cutout of a person and they take it places and stuff. Oh, I don't know what those are called. Are you just talking like like the stand-ups that they have? You know, like movie theater type stand-ups? Of yeah. People and yeah, stuff? Is there a name for that? Well, not at like in general name, but I thought there was one that people used to jokingly take around and pose. Kind of like, remember the... Bernie. Ro- you, no. You remember the roaming gnome commercials? Yes, yes. Something similar to that. Okay. No, I have no idea what it would be called. Anyway. Okay. Let's call it Bernie, like Weekend at Bernie's. You know, there was actually... There's... Uh, speaking of Weekend at Bernie's, um, there was a hotel that me and my mom and my aunt would go to when I was a kid in Black River Falls, Wisconsin. And, and there's like the American or something. And it was just, uh, you know, your average motel. It had a pool, two stories, nothing super spectacular. But we would go there uh, to visit relatives in the summer. And two summers in a row, we went there. 
And sitting outside by the pool each time was this guy who looked like Bernie from Weekend at Bernie's. <laughs> and so we, the first time we were there, I was like, oh, there's Bernie again. And every time we would leave to go drive somewhere, go hiking, go visit somebody, there he is sitting outside in a lawn chair in his swimming suit. And he looks like Bernie. It's like, oh, that's funny. And entirely seemingly coincidental the first summer that we saw him there. We go up there again the next year. And we don't go like the same date each year. It's fairly random when we would go up to Black River. Again, same hotel. Oh, my God. No shit. It's the guy again out there on the thing. So did he like live at the hotel? I don't know. I mean, that's what I'm almost wondering. I mean, it was so freaky, weird, coincidental. I don't know if he was, you know, maybe a frequent visitor to the area you know, for hiking or something, and he just happened to be there again because it was summer. I don't know. We went to the same hotel every year, too, but I don't know. Wow. I don't think it was a ghost. I don't. I mean, I... He was... I never saw him move, though, either. So... (laughs) (laughs) So I really don't know, but it was was just one of those kind of funny moments. Uh, 855-853-4802. That's the phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online to share your real ghost story with us. Hey, how's it going, Tony? This is Frank. Um, My story started when I was a kid. I was probably around 13. It was my last time going uh, back out to visit my grandparents out in the the country. And uh, my father, he he always used to kind of like tell me these stories that uh, my grandparents would tell him about this uh, this entity that would be out in the woods with big red eyes and and whatnot. And according to the folklore, there's a, a, a black beast and then there's a white beast. The black beast, obviously, is not a good entity, and the white one is a protector. Well, it is said that whenever you see the black beast, you end up dying at that at that spot and uh you know i i would say that's not true because i i saw the the creature myself i w- i remember um waking up in the middle of the night and at my grandparents house and i i remember going down to to where the the latrine was and it's one of these these outback you know restrooms that you go you go out into the into the property and you know instead of being inside the house like regular homes and I remember, I remember clearly when I had got out the restroom, and there was just a sense of, of, of it was just too still. The, the wind was still, and there was this odor in the air. It reeked, it reeked of, of like, of like skin. Like, like I, I don't know how to explain. I don't even know how I knew this when I was a kid, but as soon as I smelled that smell, I, I automatically knew that it was nothing good. And something told me to look up, and I did. And I looked up, and and there it was. It was it was this this shadowy entity. I I don't know. I can't make the figure out of it. It, it kind of looked like a big beast, but it was looking straight at me with these red fiery eyes. And I was only 13, and in my head, I, I you know, to this day, I I kind of still question myself. Like, what was that? What was that entity? You know. And that's not the only time that 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 entity has messed with one of one of us, and by us, I mean one of our family members. My father tells me the story as well when he was a kid that he used to see this entity uh following him in, in the middle of the night, 
my father was one of those people who would just go out and, you know, you know, old school folks. <laughs> they didn't return home for three days almost. And uh, my father would tell me about these stories. And he said that every time he would see this entity, he would get a rock out of his pouch. And the rock had a, 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 a sign of the cross. And every time he would throw that rock at that, at that beast, the beast would run away. To this day, um, I still haven't found out what it was, but one thing is for sure, uh, there, there is another world out there that we can't see. And uh, sometimes, it's, sometimes as much as we don't want to, <laughs> that world collides with ours and we could see the other side. And, but yeah, that's it. That's all, that's all my story. I got more, but uh, I'll share with you later on. Thank you, Tony. Thank you for uh, calling in and sharing your story with us. What is it with some uh, areas of the world where you hear, you know, essentially what in some cultures would be like an urban legend where it's like the dark beast or the white beast. And a lot of times you just kind of write it off as, okay, this is clearly an urban legend. But then in some areas, this shit actually happens. Yeah. You know, it's like you hear the stories and you're like, oh, it's designed to scare kids. Yeah. But then people see this stuff. Well, it's got to come from somewhere. Yeah, it's it's scary. There's a lot of those stories that are that seem to come out of the Me- out of Mexico, where okay. where it, it's like the the beasts and the trees, and there's a lot of weird shit. I don't know why that is, but it's creepy. I don't know either. There's a lot of good ghost stories down there. Yeah. There really is. Uh, thanks for calling and sharing. 855-853-4802. 855-853-4802. It's like, it's like the, fo- the folklore that comes to life is what, I'm, is, is what I would describe it as. Okay. You know, it, you know, everybody is folklore, but in some areas, it's like, shit, this is more than folklore. Yeah. Well, there has to be some tinge of truth to it, you know, to have some basis for it to be such an enduring story. Sure, sure. No, you're exactly right. Let's get another caller. Hi, you're on the show. Hey, Tony and Jamie. This is Joseph Scott. I'm from Phoenix, Arizona. And I got a couple stories I'd like to share with you. One, uh, I was living in uh, in uh, Holbrook, Arizona. A lot of Arizona, they they say the pretty much the state's haunted from Old West to miners to, you know, who who knows. Um, I was li- living up in Holbrook, Arizona for 15 years. And I have a friend that her uh, trailer's haunted. And we didn't know anything about it. And uh, she kept hearing, like, boots, foot, uh, footsteps. And kept going, and all of a sudden, uh, it kept progressing. Where sure the refrigerator door opening, the cupboards opening, and she has a. Uh, at the time, he was a uh, about ten year old autistic kid. Now he's about thirteen, fourteen now, and he's always getting into trouble and everything. She thought he was in the refrigerator thing. She kept on telling him, Austin, uh, you know, get out of the cupboards and go to bed. And, and it stopped for a little bit. And then it would do it again. And she'd tell Austin, go, uh, go to bed. It was late at night. And uh, 
stops again and third time end up going again and she's like well I'm gonna get up and you know catch you well she got up and nothing was there nothing was open went to her son's room her son is sound asleep and he wasn't taking or nothing and 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 uh, she was uh, telling me and my cousin about it so as we were talking about it me and my cousin I'm looking uh, um, corner of eye we caught something we looked again and there was a uh, it was a apparition he was about 6'1 it was a gentleman about uh, late uh, 60s early 70s or late 60s early 70s and cowboy and you know black pair of pants and black hat blue shirt and he looked at us and turned and uh and vanished so we knew we got something there and and um so i ended up buying a uh, little digital recorder so well, let's you know catch this and so i you know got my uh, digital recorder and Asked him what his name and everything, and a little whisper, you like, James. And, uh, so it guy, the guy's name is James. Then later, um, after, uh, for a little bit, uh, he was always talking to Austin, and, and, uh, she kept, was like, who are you talking to? There's no one here. Oh, I'm talking to James, and, Okay, that's nice, and he was really good. And so well, she thought she could get EVP, so she put a little tape recorder out, and and um, said, "Well, we're gonna go to the store, and you know, be back, and uh, feel free to do what you need want to do." So he put the tape recorder on and went out there, and and. Uh, the door, you know, door shut and everything, and about five minutes later, you, um, and they, uh, they end up going, and, uh, they come back, and the tape player, player was stopped. So they rewound it, and they hear, um, you know, now say, hey, we're going to the store for free, and... You hear the door shut, and about five minutes later, there was like a, a gust of wind. You know, you hear the wind howling and leaves rustling, and all of a sudden, about nine and three seconds, you hear uh, boot steps, and you and I uh, hear this uh, voice going, "Evil," click. And mind you, there was no. Uh, no wind blowing whatsoever. It was 60 degrees, you know, calm, calm day, not even a, a leaf on the ground. And we shared that, and it, it was it was pretty creepy. And still gets her today, but it's a friendly ghost. And, and uh, I was part of the other story as part of Bucket of Blood Association it's an Old West uh, reenactors 
and our our town is haunted. We have plenty of stories. In fact, the uh, historical uh, old jailhouse has has, uh, has seen a lot of apparitions and voices. They um, when the ghost uh, people went in there and and uh, had a lot of appar- a lot of uh, EVPs and well, my group was. Um, in charge of uh, doing the tours with our counterparts, the Hell Dorado girls, and the Hell Dorado girls are pretty much dressed as you know, 1800s, uh, you know, whore women like they, um, you know, do. Well, I was partnered with uh, a guy named uh, a gal named uh, Candy. As we, uh, she took the front and I took the back and make sure the group, you know, didn't scare it away and, and, uh, you know, venture off. And I thought, and I felt my, uh, I had some, uh, fake bullets on my gun belt that make it authentic. Well, I felt, you know, something pulling on one, like you want to take one out. I thought maybe it was a little kid, you know, come behind me and try and get one, and nothing was there. And come to find out too, is I had a little, uh, little uh, loop around my, uh, you know, the hammer of my gun, and that was a hard thing to get off, you know, for me. And no kid would be able to take it off. It was off the handle of the gun. Then uh, later, I caught up with her, and and. Um, she ended up, uh, she asked me if I end up, uh, you know, lifting up her skirt or something. Like, no, I was behind you. So, well, something, you know, lift up behind my skirt, you know, lift it up. So, well, probably nothing. And, and, um, we walked a little bit further. And so, and about five minutes later, she said, well, did you touch, t- touch my shoulder? I'm like, no. So I feel a calm, you know, cold hand on my shoulder as we're going through and we kept getting, uh, you know, strange feelings and everything else in that. And uh, last time I ended up going in there and uh, ended up uh, getting an EVP of a spirit. His name was uh, George Smiley. And George Smiley was uh, accused and hung for a crime of murder for a paycheck. And his ghosts uh, and a bunch of other ghosts haunt that, uh, that same uh, building. And I'd like to share that, and hopefully some uh, other ventures I'll talk, talk to you about, my hometown of Sloydman, Arizona. And I'm hoping to be a EPP soon, and take care, love your show, bye. Thanks for calling in and sharing your stories. It's always creepy to hear what you get from uh, EVPs and exactly what they're saying, especially when it does correlate to something that does make sense. And then turns off the recorder. Yeah, when it takes control of your recorder, that's disturbing. Yeah. I keep hearing more and more of use of those ghost boxes, too, and people are posting more and more of those videos online. Those creep me out because those really can get fairly accurate. Uh I mean, and... (sighs) It's weird because when you ask for a name, it gives you a name. 
in a lot of cases. When you ask for an answer to a question, it seems to give you an answer. Now, it's tuning radio to different places and picking up audio and playing that. And they say in some cases it will play its own. If it can get the, the energy to do it, literally say its own thing that's not necessarily over a radio frequency. Um, so when I, I first heard about those, my thought process is, well, you know, anything could randomly stop a radio and pick up a word or two. But there's nothing that's going to randomly just know to pick a name or pick a this or that. Right. You know, there's something more to those boxes that are really, there's something going on there. It's like, it, it's it's somehow we've created a device that's like Ouija 2.0. <laughs> yeah. It really, it, those really are. Uh, anyhow, 855-853-4802 is our phone number. Cassidy writes in, hi guys, I'm a new listener and already love the show. Helps me get through the day at work. Since listening to the podcast, I have begun to remember some of my past experiences that I previously blocked from memory and thought you would like to hear them. This story is from when I was a young teenager. My parents were going through a very messy divorce and I had fallen into a very deep and dark depression. I began to notice things around the house as well as my younger brother's. We would hear people murmuring in the crawl space behind our bedroom, walls, and above us where the attic would be, and we didn't have one. We also would notice things move around in our bedrooms, and dark shadows dart past our bedroom doors at night. Several times I'd be in my room, looking in my vanity mirror to see someone behind me, watching me through the crack in my door. So thinking it was a person, I'd run out of my room into the hall looking for one of my brothers, only to find the rest of my family downstairs or outside engaged in other activities. This went on for years and had never escalated until one night. I was sleeping and found myself awoken from a dead sleep, covered in a cold sweat and with a feeling of dread. Now, I know this sounds like sleep paralysis, but I only had experienced something like this one time in my life. I have a feeling it was something paranormal. I opened my eyes and looked at the ceiling and found that I was stuck to the bed. I turned to look around in my already very dark room and found my bed surrounded with eight feet or eight foot horned, blacker than black figures with red eyes standing shoulder to shoulder staring at me. Terrified, I closed my eyes hoping they would go away, but when I opened my eyes, they were still there. I tried to lean over, tried to turn my radio on, hoping it would do something. As I reached my arm down, something inside me told me to put my hand back. I turned back, lie there, wondering what to do. I remembered reading in the Bible that if demons were to ever taunt me, I was to call out to the name of God. So I got up the courage to speak and yelled at the top of my lungs, I cast you out in the name of God. And when I opened my eyes, the dark figures had been replaced with misty white figures immediately felt the sense of calm and protection. The feeling inside me, inside, told me that these were my guardian angels and they were going to protect me and I was able to get back to sleep. Even since, I have been very wary of anything to do with demons, even movies based off of true events involving demons, as they remind me of this incident, and I really would rather not think about it. But after hearing so many other stories, I thought mine might help someone else out. I have other stories, and I might tell you about those at a later point. But thank you guys for a great show. Cassidy from Portland. So, I think it's very interesting that the black horned figures turned into white figures. It's like kind of transforming. Mm -hmm. Like the Michael Jackson black or white video. 
Okay. That's where I'm going with it. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess, you know, if, if what he did to, or she did to, to transform this or to get rid of them swooped in for protection. What gets me most about the letter, actually, though, is having seen eight-foot horned figures by your bedside, and then you are able to get them to go away, and then you're able to go back to sleep. I know. <laughs> As it was just a normal, oh, I left the TV on, shucks. Okay, it's off now. I'm going to go back to sleep. Yeah. I <laughs> Like, it's that. I don't get that. I don't know how long I would be able to, yeah. or I wouldn't be able to sleep. Now, I'm not calling the story false or made up or fake. I'm just saying, I hear that all too often, where it's like, oh, well, we got the demons to you know, scurry off into the night. Now I can get some good Z's. Yeah. <laughs> I would be fucked for days. Yeah, you I would. would not be. I would not. Be, I would be afraid to go to. I'd be afraid to go in that same room. <laughs> I would. It's like this would not work. Anyhow, I guess if some people are able to just knock right back out, I guess more power to you. Shang writes in Hi Tony. I've uh, never heard a story like this on your show before, so I wanted to share this one with you. It's about my uh, sister-in-law, Amy, and brother-in-law, Matt. They've had quite a few paranormal experiences in their lives, but these two really stood out to me. I and my husband have had our share, but I'll uh, tell those at another time. I changed the names in the story for anonymity. This happened to them when they were living uh, in the town of Merced, California. One night, when Amy was a teenager, she was left home alone. I believe her parents were out late visiting relatives, and her siblings were out at their friend's house. Being late, she went to sleep. Well, the night, she woke up suddenly with a start for no reason and opened her eyes. The whole house was super quiet, and her room was dark, but she could still see light from a street lamp outside coming through her bedroom window. Something just didn't feel right to her. Maybe her parents had come home, and that had woken her up. After looking around for a couple of seconds and trying to hear if there was anyone awake in the house, she felt a small weight jump onto the end of her bed by her feet. It was as if a small animal like a cat had jumped on. Amy looked towards her feet and she saw what looked like a very short girl. The girl must have been short that her chin only came up to the bed. Amy could see the girl's face looking at her and her head was popped up on the bed. The girl had long black hair. She appeared to be around the same age as Amy, and her skin was super pale. Amy was scared, but she said, Who are you? What are you doing here? The girl opened her mouth and gave a laugh. I'm your sister, Amy said. No, you're not my sister. The girl said, I'm your sister, Jessica. Amy was super scared now, but shouted angrily, You are not my sister. Go away. The girl at the end of the bed just tilted her head back and laughed. Amy's blood ran cold as she realized there wasn't something quite right about the girl. There was something completely wrong. She wasn't just short because as the girl laughed, her head tilted to the side and rolled off the bed just like a ball with her black hair streaming around as the head rolled. The head thumped under the floor and Amy could hear the, th- the sound of it rolling away. Amy was so scared, she just pulled her blankets over her head, plugged her ears with her fingers, and closed her eyes and prayed. The thing is that Amy, her sister named Jessica, but she was spending the night at a friend's house that night. And Amy did have an older sister, but she passed away as a baby back in the old country during the war due to unfortunate circumstances. 
The second story concerns Amy's youngest brother, Matt. When he was only eight years old, sometimes when he and his older brothers would watch television at night, the closet door would be open for some reason. From the corner of his eye, he would see something dark peek out and then go back into the closet, but he could never really catch it when he turned his head to look. One day, he caught it. This time, when he turned to look, he saw an older African-American woman with an Afro-style hair from the 70s. She would peek her head out from the side of the closet door and look at him and his brothers, and then her head would go back into the closet. She had a big, wide grin on her face. It creeped him out, but what really scared Matt was that she peeped at them from the side a couple of times, and then her head appeared at the very top of the closet door, and she peeped at them from over the top. Matt yelled and pointed out to his brothers, Do you see her? She's over there. She's looking at us. His brothers looked, but by that time, there was nothing there. Thank you for sharing this story. Okay, the head rolling off the bed is just... It's like something from a horror movie. It is. Do you think she was really awake or do you think she dreamt that? I think if she was awake, it was probably something demonic. Uh, If she was dreaming it, it was a creepy as hell dream. Yeah. Um, But that's not the work of a, I think, once walking this earth ghost. No. That's something that is designed to be very, very dark. And lure you in if she was awake. Yeah. But, I mean, that, that could be... I mean, it, it does sound like the stuff of nightmares. But, unfortunately, on our show, all too often we hear stories of things that sound like they should be nightmares and they're all too real and have actually occurred in waking hours. So... I think that's part of the fun. You never know. That's what we do. Yep. <laughs> that's that's our show. So thanks for listening. Thanks for calling in. Thanks for writing in. If we shared one of your stories today, if you have a story, please let us know about it. You can call at 855-853-4802. Of course, you can always write in as well at realghoststoriesonline.com. If you're not an EPP yet, please consider becoming one and help support the show. Your support keeps our show alive. And maybe even sign up a friend to be an EPP or a loved one next year as a very super unique Christmas gift. That could be uh, that could be one that I can guarantee they've never gotten before and would surely enjoy if they're a lover of the paranormal and also help support the show at the same time. So give the gift of ghosts, if you will, this holiday season to yourself or someone you love. There you go. Until next time, for Jenny Bruski, I'm Tony Bruski. Thanks for listening to Real Ghost Stories Online.